The Start On Demand. On demand. Today we'll hear from a frustrated mom who says her daughter, who has tried to fake being sick to get sent home from school before, can now say at school she's not feeling well and get sent home no questions asked. Why? Because of COVID. How does patio season look this fall for restaurants desperate to stay open and keep people coming in? And which store do you wish was still around? I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, September 15th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And I feel like I need to uh, open with a follow-up on what we discussed at the outset of yesterday's show. Hmm? Because uh, as much as I don't want to, I'd like to to think of myself as a man of honor. So I feel like I need to fall on the sword here. What happened on the Transcona Golf and Country Club grounds yesterday, Brett McGarry? I've played a lot of good golf this year. I'm really proud of the way that I've played. I've I've turned in some great scores. Yesterday was not one of them. Yesterday, in fact, I think was my worst round of golf of the year. Not my worst score, but it was it felt like the worst round. I just couldn't do anything right. And Transcona counselor Sean Nason ended up winning the day. Come on! And I'm glad I didn't bet on that. I I had you I had you pegged for the win. And in fact, I I'm worried I jinxed you because we were texting back and forth at some point yesterday afternoon, making plans for the show today. And I said, anyway, we can talk about this after Brett's done schooling Nason. And then you <laughs> chimed in, yeah, guys, uh, <laughs> schooling's not actually happening. I was like, what? Yeah, I no, like you, I jinxed you. No, you didn't jinx me because I was already well. The the <laughs> round was already lost at that point. I lost the round. Uh, I was, I think I was up on him after three holes, and then I turned in three or four bad holes. That golf course. Anybody who has played golf, uh, everyone has a, like one or two holes that is in their head. That entire golf course is in my head. I just have never played well at Transcona. I don't know what it is because it's. It's it, it's challenging, but it's not like the world's hardest golf course, but it gets me every single time. So this was the wrong venue for this. This was home course advantage for Nason. Well, I guess technically he got some like counselor's bounces yesterday. <laughs> he hit some incredibly like some shots where the ball bounced just like the perfect. I, I even said to him one point, come on, <laughs> come on, man. How is that possible? You need a rematch. At a more neutral site or a a golf course that you're perhaps more familiar with that isn't inside your head. I feel as though perhaps, Brett, you were defeated before you even began. No, I wasn't. I was actually really relaxed. I thought, oh, this is going to be the day where I play half decent at Transcona. And I don't want to make it sound like I'm making excuses. 
Sean Nason played better golf than me yesterday, plain and simple. He and it, we had a good day. It was fun to get out there. You know, he was he calls himself the trash talk stallion on Twitter, uh, and he, but he was he was fine. It was a pleasant round of golf, and I said we should play because uh, he often he's in a men's league at Larders in St Andrews, and I often play at Kingswood. I said we should we should go play again, either at your course or mine, and and he's he says we should do a best out of three. So maybe we'll do one at Larders and one at Kingswood, and then uh, we'll figure out. Uh, he said average out the score from there. So I don't All know. Right. But anyway, I just had to admit it publicly. <sighs> I am defeated by Transcona Councillor Sean Nason. But it was fun to get out because I'm from Transcona, and he's the councillor there, and there we go. It's all apropos. <sighs> but I'm not going to let it. I, the old pre-pandemic Brett, this would have been something that would have eaten at me for days Maybe you're so weeks. enlightened now. I'm just, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to like focus on, yeah. things. like it's just a round of golf. <laughs> I, I don't, mean, I, I that, I don't mean that negatively. I mean, I think that that like is kind of a pretty human response right now, whether it's golf or I don't know anything else that's kind of ticking people off these days. You either decided like, you know what, of all the things to get upset about, this might not be one of them. I hope not. Uh, let's, we'll see how the morning goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch this. I'm going to get an angry text. I can feel his eyes boring in the back of my there head right some now. seething taking place. <laughs> not too far under the surface, Loren. Can, can you see me? I can tell you that. Can you, you can see me of, right now? You can sort I'm of, ducking down. You can sort of hear it boiling. <laughs> um... Coming up after Global News at 7 o'clock, we're going to talk to the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Association. What's going on there, Loren? Well, I think, you know, we all know restaurants are one of the many businesses that are struggling right now. And so one of the benefits of the past few months, the warm temperatures, the patios that many restaurants have had, has been that they have more space to bring people in, right? People love, we call it patio season half the time, not even summer. As soon as the, the temperature gets above maybe 12, half of us are ready to, patio! to hit a patio, right? And so that I think has helped some businesses. But now, of course, we're entering fall, and we're curious to see what restaurants are doing to adapt because, A, not only a patio is important at any time of year for many restaurants, but right now they're allowing for that social distancing. There might not be enough space in the restaurant or they can have that patio to make people feel more comfortable. Well, what are they going to do when cooler temperatures hit? Uh, we're going to visit with the Restaurant Association because he says many are looking for some unique ways to try to adjust or pivot, which has been one of our big words, Greg, maybe more heaters, maybe different uh, shelters in place on the patio, ways to keep that going, at least if not for four seasons, maybe three. Well, there are some restaurants in this city where this patio that they've been able to open under a modified permitting system this summer might have been the difference between the restaurant surviving and not surviving at all because they may, in fact, have more seats on their patio than they would have inside their restaurant based on restrictions required for physical distancing. So what happens to those restaurants come November, come December, when maybe they don't have any seating at all based on the size of their physical restaurant? So there are lots of questions to be asked and answered on that front for sure. Greg, I'm going to ask you, and you're self-proclaimed not the best kid in school. So yeah. did you ever fake being sick to get out of school? What grade? 
<laughs> grade four, grade six. I remember distinctly staying home for three days while the space shuttle was up yeah. in space. I wanted to stay home and watch the space shuttle Columbia yeah. launch and then anything, any information I could get on it throughout the day. So I stayed home for those three days until the space shuttle landed. Meanwhile, they were showing all that stuff at school. Okay. They could have told us in advance, yeah. you know. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, definitely my early years. And as I look back, it was uh, either well-intentioned or some anxiety and, and uh, psychological stuff that if people had sat down and said, hey, what's the deal here? Maybe we could have sorted out some some stuff earlier. But absolutely, I did. Loren? Oh, I'm sure I did. Uh, whether I got away with it or not is another question. But then, of course, in my teen years, the gift to women, as they call it, arrived. Mm. And, of course, that allowed for a get-out-of-jail card. Nobody wants to talk about your cycles in school. So just go ahead, Loren. Go on home. <laughs> so there you go. That's my story of using the sick days. Well, Too much information? No, not at all. Perfect. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. All you got to say is the gift, and uh, we know what you're talking about. I Well, I tried multiple times. Most of the time, my parents would just call BS on me and send me to school. But there was one day where I managed to pull one over on my mom. I think it was grade three. And she ended up taking me out for treats and she took me shopping and she bought me a new Transformer. We were talking about Transformers yesterday and I remember the Transformer. His name was Blaster. It was a good day. And she later said, you aren't sick, are you? And I said, no. But it was okay because we still had a good day together. But I still lied. Now, I mention this because a friend of mine messaged me yesterday and shared something about one of her kids. And uh, she now fears that kids are actually going to be able to easily fake being sick to just get sent home from school, no questions asked because of COVID. So let's bring her in here. Her name is Sarah. She joins us now live on The Start. Sarah, good morning to you. Morning, guys. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to talk to us this morning, Sarah. So why don't you just, rather than me rehash what you told me, why don't you just tell us what happened with your daughter? I got a phone call from the secretary at her school. Uh, she said, Ava says she has a sore stomach. She needs to be picked up. I said, um, a, a sore stomach and she needs to be picked up. Yeah, she needs to be picked up. And I'm like, well, I'm at work, <laughs> you know, I'm unable to come pick her up. Can I talk to her? And, uh, she said no initially. And I said, well, I'd, I'd like to talk to her. And she begrudgingly, I guess, got Ava to call me back from another phone. And, um, I just, uh, I'm concerned. I know my daughter wasn't sick. It was picture day. It's day five of school after months and months and months out of school. Um, she had no problem going to school in the morning, you know, and then all of a sudden I get this phone call. Uh, my daughter's historically been known to call home sick or sore stomach is usually the problem. And uh, I just get I'm worried because I would often make her stay. OK, call me back in a couple hours. Let me know how you feel. Nine times out of ten, she wouldn't call me back. Right. She would end up being fine because she wasn't sick. Something was bothering her, gave her a sore stomach. Right. Anxiety, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so I'm just worried that now that she knows that mom doesn't have a say, really, all I have to do is tell them I have a sore stomach and they'll send me home. I'm concerned that, you know, she might take a little bit advantage of that. Or that other students might take advantage of that, Sarah. And I think it's a pretty common reaction as a parent to speak to your kid and to want to talk to them. And as a mom, I know that the kids sometimes just want to work through a problem. It's not really about being sick. It might be that they're worried or just that maybe they're tired or maybe they don't feel like being there. And that's that's all normal. So in the end, you did pick her up and she was home from school for a few hours? 
yeah, she had to come home for the day. And I asked, I asked the secretary, like, when can she come back to school? Right. Because now you're making her go home. So what's, what's the protocol? Uh, the secretary told me that after 24 hours, like monitor her symptoms. And if she's fine, she can come back tomorrow. And I'm thinking like, what symptoms? This isn't a sick child, but you know, like this is from what I understand, this is the protocol is to send them home. And I, you know, the secretary said, we're not going to grill every student that comes into our office saying they're sick. And I'm thinking, well, you don't have to grill them, but maybe asking a few questions. We have all these self-screening tools and everything else. And the sore stomach definitely doesn't fall in line with COVID symptoms, right? So maybe just asking a few questions before sending a kid home for the whole day with no schoolwork or anything like that. Because, you know, it's the beginning of the year. No one's prepared for any of this. And I understand that. But I, I do, I just, I have concerns about the whole thing. And obviously faculty is going to have concerns about their own health as well. And some of the things that they might have done in the past, Sarah, might not happen. I know uh, for the last few years at my kids' school, there's been a cot in the office. So if the kids come to the office saying they're not feeling well, they'll give them sort of the opportunity to, to lie down or rest it off a little bit. And quite often... That works, but the chances that they're doing that now are pretty unlikely, I would suggest. And that's a catch twenty two for the for the the folks that are interacting with the with the students one on one like that. I would say, it, you know. And I I I, I spoke one the people I spoke with at the school. I said I understand all of that, but it is like you know they've opened up schools. They're sending kids to school amidst the pandemic right? Like we should probably have some more steps before just sending them home. Like, like no questions asked. Like she said, we're not going to grill students when they come into our school and into the office ask, saying that they're sick. And it's like, maybe not grill, but ask a few questions, you know, or something rather than just, you know, cause parents are at work and now they have to come pick up their child who they know isn't sick or are pretty confident isn't sick. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Oh, absolutely, I do. And I know in March, that word got out pretty quick <laughs> amongst the tech savvy that their marks yeah. couldn't go down in their classes. And so that meant a lot of kids were just mailing it in because they knew that what homework they were doing couldn't bring their grades down. And so in a lot of cases, they weren't even doing their homework. Yeah, exactly. They're kids, right? Uh, they push the envelope. They're they're testing their limits, however you want to put it. You know, oh, I've got a test coming up this afternoon. I forgot to study for it. I'm not feeling well. I got to go home for the day. Oh, shoot, I forgot to do my homework last night. Uh, I'm not feeling well. I got to go home for the day. You know, like these are the things that I, I, I worry will be taken advantage of. Sarah, yesterday, Premier Brian Pallister had this to say. We just want to replay this clip for you and get your thoughts on it. I'd say to the armchair critics, uh, including some editorial writers, remember that we have healthcare leaders here that have years of expertise. We have educational leaders that have made this their professional career for decades in some cases. Show some respect for those people. Uh, and remember, too, that uh, COVID isn't the only thing that's contagious. Your attitude is, too. And if you start questioning everything that the health leaders do, you're going to encourage your kids to be doubtful and fearful. That wouldn't be a good thing to do. What do you think of that, Sarah? Well, I absolutely agree with what he's saying. You know, I know that, you know, I'm, I'm not a doctor. I understand that. But in my daughter's case, like I said, she has a history of calling home sick. The school's aware of this. 
you know, so like things like that, I think, play a different role, you know, like. Such a hard time, Sarah, because I think, it, you know, teachers and the school administrators and the secretaries, they're in a rock and a hard place if they don't send her home and she does end up coming out with COVID. And I understand the stomach pains aren't linked. And I know I know what you're saying that fundamentally 99.9% of the time this isn't going to be the case. But if they don't send her home and it is, they're in trouble. If they do send her home and it isn't, then parents are frustrated because they can't keep coming to pick up their kids. And so I don't really know if there is a right answer in here, unless it's really about trying to find a better handle on screening within the school system. Yeah, I I think, you know, and we're all learning together during this, right? So, like, I'm not expecting, like, them to know exactly what's going on, but, like, in this case, and this has to be something that they know could be a problem, right? And coming up with maybe some ideas as to how to deal with it without sending kids home immediately you know again i understand i understand that there is a pandemic that everyone's a little nervous people were nervous about school starting up to begin with but we have sent our kids back to school we can't be having them come home several times a week possibly depending on the child right you know and and missing out on all that work that we're sending them to school for Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time to tell us what's going on. We appreciate this. Thanks for reaching out yesterday. Sure thing. Have a great day, guys. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In a moment, we're going to tell you how you can win some Santa Lucia pizza. Greg, first, take 30 seconds to tell us what's going on with Mountain Equipment Co-op. Mountain Equipment Equipment Co-op has been around since 1971, founded in Vancouver, has been taken over by one of these big uh, capital investment firms out of California. So it will no longer be a genuine co-op. I, I guess I should be expecting a refund of my $5 share I bought 25 years ago. <laughs> okay, so that got us thinking. Uh, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with the future of this company, but that just got us thinking about stores that we miss. Like in the event this store were to close, what would happen? You know, would we miss it? And what stores do we miss? So we need you to text us at 204-780-6868. Which store do you wish was still open and why? And then at 9.15, we'll pick a winner for the Santa Lucia pizza. Jeff Braun is here. Kelly Moore is here. Producer Jeff Forte is here. Jeff Braun, let's start with you. For me, it is Zeller's, uh, by far, bar none. Uh, I almost cried when they closed down. And it was, but it was sort of, it was a bittersweet thing because the targets were moving in, of course, to take over most of those Zeller's locations. So I thought, okay, well, I, stuff I used to get at Zeller's, I can get at Target. And of course, you know, that lasted like six weeks and it was over. <laughs> and, and now, uh, I found the other options. It, it's like, uh, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Uh, Zeller's was just right. Everything else, it's either too cheap or too expensive. Zeller's, was right nicely in the middle there where you could get quality stuff at a good price, and I miss it terribly. How many Club Z points did you retire with uh, there, Bron? <laughs> I didn't. I'm one of these morons that goes to a place for, you know, a thousand times and never gets their, their little card because I don't like the extra weight in my wallet. Yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same with Shoppers Drug Mart. They ask me every time, optimum card? No. How much money have I spent there in the last several years? Thousands of dollars. Doesn't matter. Uh, Kelly Moore, what about you? You know, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this store or not, but but when we lived in Winnipeg the first time, and keep in mind, uh, we lived down in the southwest corner of the city, but every Saturday, 
we made the trek to 53 Higgins Avenue to do our shopping at Casa de Fruta. It was uh, in a, a, a warehouse-type setting, but they had everything there. You get fresh fruit and vegetables. You, they also had a meat counter. Uh, back when we bottled our own wine, you could even buy wine bottles there. It, it reminded us a lot of Granville Island Market. And uh, I think there's a, a glass, uh, it's a glass company that's in there now, but uh Casa de Fruta was such a cool place to, to do your shopping on, on the weekends. I think it was in the old Ogilvy Mills building yes, originally, right, absolutely, Kelly? absolutely, GMAC. You bet. It sure was, yeah. Oh, I remember when that place, uh, was it fire? Oh, yes. God, that stunk. Yeah, the huge, huge fire. stink coming out of that building was, you could, I smelled that for, I can still smell it. It was awful. I was in, I was in grade eight. Wow. Just, sorry, uh, flashback, hardcore there. Producer Forte, what about you? Oh, Blockbuster or Pick a Flick, a movie store. Pick a Flick! Oh, a movie rental oh, store. There's nothing better than going, you know, Friday nights, be a winter, just go in there. It'd take 45 minutes to pick out a movie. Yeah, and you can. I know that you can do the same with a streaming service uh, where you're just sifting through all the various options, but there really is something about actually going into the place and walking around. Because when you find one, then it almost feels like, yeah, I found it. Well, and you're committed, too. Yeah, yeah you'd, I'd, I'd watch the, the same movie maybe like two or three times before I'd give it back just to get my monies out of it, you know? Yeah. Plus, it gets rid of that feeling where it has the rented sign. You're like, oh, I missed out on seeing this movie because everybody took it. Yeah. Now you never, now you don't miss out. There's no feeling of that. That's just the fun's gone. What, what store do you miss, Lorena? I have a feeling it's in Minnedosa. Of course it is. And I just would like people to answer me if they, this sounds familiar to them. Does anyone know of the department store Robinson's? Greg? And I'm, yep. I'm trying to wonder if it was a Minnedosa thing because it came to it's town to for. It in Altona. A few no, years. Had one too, yeah. Did it? Okay. And what yeah. was great about it was it had this little restaurant with these steps up, and you'd feel like so glamorous afterwards. You'd go shopping with your mom, and then maybe get to do lunch with her. It kind of had that whole old like, I don't know, malt shop feeling or something. Like I'm from an Archie Reggie comic. I'm Veronica in this scenario, I guess. But you'd feel cool going into that store and having lunch. And it went under, I think, and I don't know what became of them. And Mackling, what do you miss? By the way, what's that, Bron? I said she's mid. She's not Veronica. Oh, come on. <laughs> You're moose. Well, originally I was going to say Baldy Northcott Sporting Goods. They were Polo Park. They had a place at Eaton Place uh, in the basement, in the bottom level when Eaton Place was three levels of shopping. But Mark, just remind me of Army Navy Surplus Army on Portage on Col- and Colony. They had some amazing stuff there. So I'm changing my answer to Army Navy Army Surplus. Army Navy. Yes. Very incredible store. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we are getting a cornucopia of text messages at 204-780-6868 on the stores. You wish we're still open, and we will share some of those throughout the morning here on the start. And at 9.15, we will pick one and award a Santa Lucia pizza. But I just want to mention the store that I wish was still open, and it was just a little shop. Uh, in Transcona on Day Street, I believe, at Victoria. And it's called, it was called the Comic Factory. And I used to go there every Friday. I'd get my allowance. And I'd go to the com- I'd walk to the Comic Factory. Didn't matter what temperature it was. And I'd go to the Comic Factory. I'd spend like a couple hours in there. The shopkeeper probably hated how, lo- how lo- long I was in there for. I would eventually buy stuff, but I just loved it in there. And then I'd go to the 7-Eleven at Region and Day and yeah. buy a Slurpee. <laughs> and then I'd walk That's home. That's a good day. And that then I'd walk home in a snowstorm. 
I think it was Ashcroft uh, Grocery in the West End where I would buy my hockey cards on Saturdays. We'd go and visit my great aunt. And then somebody just texted in something called Blosteins, Blosteins yep. in Transcona. Am yep. I saying that right? I, I think I, it's I Blosteins. Uh, they said, here, I married a Transcona guy. I learned very quickly. If you can't find something in the city, you will find it at Blosteins. Okay. I think it's Blosteins. I actually don't know. I might lose my Transcona uh, card for that. but Because I think that shop was done by the time... Uh, I came along, okay. but uh, You're uh, yeah. forgiven then. So keep those texts coming at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight. We'll share them throughout the morning. Uh, and when it comes to working downtown, I gotta admit it's it's pretty neat being here, but it's de- the buzz. It's definitely not the the buzz that uh, it was even back in February. Like we came here for training in February, and it was busy. It was impossible to find parking on the street. But I know today I brought my car today, and I know at ten o'clock when I have to go and move it, I'm going to have no problem finding a spot somewhere else. The street. To borrow an audio term, it's fairly muted in downtown Winnipeg right now as the downtown biz is taking a closer look at just who is and isn't back at work and says its preliminary survey shows about 20% of downtown workers are back in the office full-time. Another 30% are splitting their time between their home office and downtown. Bottom line, there are still thousands of people who aren't driving into work each day. And as Global's Joe Scarpelli explains, retailers and restaurants say it's still far too quiet. Here's a look underneath the office towers at Portage in Maine. The owner of this sandwich shop says business hasn't picked up at all since September, after hoping it would. Above ground, a plea from the owner of ShawarmaCon. If you're downtown, please come support local businesses because we really need that, you know, $5, $10 from every customer coming through the door to really make the difference. Khan is reopening the last of his six restaurants on Graham Avenue next week hoping it won't be long until business picks up again. I hope that we'll be able to get through this and uh, come out brighter and better on the other end. Joel Scarpelli, Global News. Hope is the key word, perhaps, guys, in that story for many retailers and restaurants because we know just fewer dollars are being spent right now because people aren't driving to work. They're not stopping for their coffee, maybe, like they normally would. There's no Jets games, concerts, ballets, just just fewer places to go. And for many restaurants, you know, they've pivoted over the past few months to expand their patios or come up with other initiatives. But now fall is here, meaning patio season uh, could soon be coming to an end. So Sean Jeffrey is the executive director of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Association. We want to welcome him on to get his thoughts on how we can change going forward to help these restaurants out. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, all. How are you? Thanks for taking the time, Sean. I wanted to ask, first of all, are there restaurants out there that if they hadn't expanded their patios to allow for more social distancing, would they have gone under this summer? Absolutely. There's a lot of restaurants out there that actually have uh, 60 to 80 percent of their revenue is actually driven by their patio, especially in the high traffic uh, evening uh, walking areas like Hort and Osborne and so forth, or there's a real big push for that, uh, that patio traffic. It's a, uh, it's, you know, go out with your friends and family for a nice walk and, and grab a, a dessert or a, you know, a piece of pie or, you know, a beer on the, on a patio somewhere. So it's a very uh, foot traffic driven area. So without that patio uh, business, it would have been, been very, very detrimental to their business. So the clock is ticking somewhat on those businesses. We've also seen, Sean, some incredible pivoting and changes in business plan and business operations to, you know, there are, are there's one restaurant in my neighborhood I can think of that never even did takeout under normal circumstances and they delayed opening to the general public and just continued to do takeout versus actually operating.
operating under the 25% occupancy rule. Are you seeing some of that? Like, there's got to be some shining light, uh, a bright light uh, that operators are are finding in, in terms of these changes they've been forced to make. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's forced us to change the way that we do business. The restaurant industry here in Manitoba will never be the same ever again. And actually, the number's around 20%. So 20% of restaurants that never did takeout actually implemented that into their business model because they had to. They had no other choice in order to stay viable for the future. They needed to change their business model. And what you're seeing now is a lot more restaurants adapting. And we've heard so much during this time about people uh, taking different things on, whether it be take and bake options, whether it be grocery delivery, we really had to adapt their business model to to what we were dealing with, and because they wanted to survive. And our industry, uh, I'm proud to say, is one of the strongest and most driven industries for trying to survive during this. So, um, you know, it's it's a matter of of trying to take that. Uh, but you know, the reality is, especially with the patio season, we've really counted on that. And Manitobans. They came to the table huge during this time on in the patio season. They did as much as they could and coming out and even brave in that 5 and 10 degree weather to come and sit in a patio. But that's coming to an end and we need to continue to adapt. And when it comes to downtown restaurants as well, downtown restaurants and pubs, for example, a yeah. lot of the traffic they rely on are regulars, people who work downtown who might pop down for lunch or pop down and grab a, a liquid lunch, whatever. And if those people are now working from home, those regulars are gone. Yeah, absolutely. You can't actually say it any better. You know, we, uh, you know, I went out for lunch to one of my favorite restaurants downtown Bailey's a couple of weeks ago, and uh, and they they draw a lot of business from the tower. So that that tower, um, the highs and the Salisbury houses, and all a lot of restaurants downtown really drive business from that lunch business. And because there's only roughly fifteen to twenty five percent of people actually still working downtown, that has made a massive impact on their business. So they're trying to open up new ways and you know and some of these restaurants are the restaurants that i'm talking about that never did takeout or delivery and now they're doing curbside delivery they're doing takeout they're doing take and bake options they're trying to just survive because that is a big portion of their business and again manitobans have come you know come out in, in droves at night to try to you know try to support these restaurants because we've made it very apparent that downtown has been hurt but yeah we're, we're we, we we need you back downtown folks we need uh, we need that lunch business too we, will we expect, Sean, and we have just 30 seconds here, do you expect more restaurants that do have those patios to add more heaters or even, you know, put up walls or tarps? Or I'm not sure what can be they're added. They're already doing it, actually. Yeah, they're already doing it. They're creating uh, wind breaks and so forth just to try to try to extend that season, add additional heaters. And in going into winter, adding areas for customers to wait because we don't, our lobbies are small and we don't have a lot of waiting space. So um, they're having to, again, we're continuously adapting and we're continuing to do that because we need, to get as many people as we can into our restaurants during this time, especially going into our slower months. Sean Jeffrey, the Executive Director of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sean, thank you for the time as always, sir. You guys have a great day. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb want to bring up two stores that have been brought up to us here. First from Shauna. Store she wishes was still open, San Stores. Do you remember San, Loren? Oh, yeah. Minidosa had a San. Of course it did. Was it San or did. San? It's San. Sahan. <laughs> I think it was a San. Did San. San stand for something? Or was that a, a last name? Uh, so that was uh, Gendis Corporation, the Cohen family that owned San Stores. So uh, I think it's a Red Apple clearance outlet in Minidosa now. Last time I was there, at least. 
Loren? No, it's like a bargain shop. Oh, bargain shop. Okay. Oh, okay. And then Vern in uh, Tyndall, I believe this is from Vern in Tyndall, Manitoba, says Beaver Lumber Store. Beaver Lumber, owned yes. by the Molson family. How do you know all the families that own these stores? I don't know. What is <laughs> Lost stock opportunity. You know, he had a lot of stock that didn't get him anywhere. <laughs> when I was seven, I was in the stock market. Yes, they, they screwed me on the sand store and on the uh, and on the Molson owned beaver lumber. Is there a store that you wish was still open, and why? And somebody brought up Woolworth earlier and they said hey it was beside Eaton's at Portage and Donald and they say as a kid I used to shop there after Eaton's when bus fare was a dime actually the same price as the washrooms at Eaton's I was given two dimes to get downtown and back home lord help me if I had to use the washroom a dime can you believe that I don't remember it costing a dime to use the washroom at Eaton's. I suspect this is going back a little bit of a way. So, no hey, kidding. we love getting these the texts from uh, from way back when, like when someone said that the, the the store at Donald and Ellis was a liquor mart. I didn't. I don't. I didn't know that. Well, and consumers distributing came up multiple times for people as their favorite. And Loren, you might recall when we did the discussion about what to do with liquor stores and how to limit the amount of crime and theft taking place in those stores. A lot. A lot of people reminded us that in the early days of the liquor marts, the Manitoba-controlled, government-controlled liquor marts, that was exactly the model. You went in and you filled out a slip of paper. It was just like consumers distributing. And you said, yeah, I want a 2-6 of Crown Royal. They weren't on display. You just handed it to the clerk and they brought that out for you from the back, sort of the way they do it for the beer at the... Uh, at the uh, bar <laughs> in Minidosa at the cold beer store. You really got to know what you want then, though. You can't just go in and do the shopping. Like There's no I, browsing. No browsing like the way I buy a book or look for a book at the library by the cover. Ooh, that's a pretty picture on that bottle. <laughs> I'm in. Ooh, that's a funny name. I like that. I like that. I'm going for that. So I would I need some help. Could you get me something red and large back there? Just bring me the biggest. Or just large. <laughs> Box form is fine. <laughs> uh, so keep those texts coming and we'll pick a winner in our very next segment. As we have been saying since yesterday, the number of people working downtown has remained at dramatically reduced levels since the middle of March when some of the city's largest employers started having their employees work from home. And uh, I've noticed that traffic, while it's busier, like even yesterday, I drove uh, back from losing to Councillor Sean Nason in golf at Transcona. Uh, he shot 101, I was 105. I thought, I'm going to have to go through downtown in the middle of rush hour. It was 5 o'clock, and it was a piece of cake. Hmm. Well, I just wonder if that reduced traffic downtown and elsewhere is translated into people driving faster. I've noticed it on Chief Pegwas Trail. Manitoba RCMP continue to share startling accounts of Manitobans driving at incredibly dangerous speeds on our highways. And these are the people they catch, Loren. Yeah, and I think that's worth repeating. We're hearing about the people they catch. On Friday, the RCMP's Twitter account for Manitoba, they had the story of someone traveling 230 kilometers per hour on a motorcycle. Yesterday, the story of a 40-year-old driver who was stopped doing 194 on 75 and asked if the officer would consider not ticketing him. Good luck with that. Also yesterday, there was an incident involving two vehicles weaving in and out of traffic at 150 kilometers per hour on Centreport Canada Way 
and the perimeter. And so we want to find out what the heck is going on here. And we're joined now by Constable Paul Monegre of the RCMP. Good morning. Good morning. Want to get this out of the way. Is this just that we're hearing more about this because you have a more active social media account through Twitter and Facebook? Or are we actually just seeing more crazy and insane speeders out there? Well, for sure, we're definitely seeing a lot more speeders. Uh, our traffic services officers are basically sending this information to us daily. They'll send us the photos, the numbers. And it's basically our social media specialist who gets to pick and choose kind of what we're going to put out there. Like, she's got so much information that, you know, we can't put it out there because then we don't want the message to tire at the same time. Uh, so the difficult job for her now is basically how to make it entertaining, how to make it stand out so that people get the message. And obviously, with based on numbers this year, people aren't getting that message. Well, we have this one example that was uh, shared yesterday. The question is, did you see these two speeding on your Friday a.m. commute near the West Perimeter in Centreport? RCMP Manitoba did. Can you tell us what happened with these two boneheads? Well, it basically looks like you have some kind of altercation at an intersection that led one to leaving at a high speed and then the other following. And I don't know what their end result wanted to be if both of them decided to stop to deal with it. But again, uh, luckily for us, we had an officer in the area and that was able to uh, deal with both of them. So, Paul, I I emphasized uh, on the introduction there uh, the idea that this is the people that you manage to catch. I suspect that you would love a ton more resources to be able to be out on Manitoba highways and and at least have a fighting chance to slow some of these people down who are flouting the law at an unprecedented rate. Absolutely. Um, I always kind of like when I talk to kids there in driver's ed classes, I try to put the point out is like, do you think this is the first time they were speeding when they're caught? The odds of that are being astronomically low, that that's the first time they've sped and a police officer happened to be there. So you can imagine how much is out there that we're not getting. So that's that's the concerning part is, like, these numbers are just through the roof. It's ridiculous, and it's like, it's probably no coincidence that we've had the highest number of fatalities. Uh, I, I don't know if this is ever, but, you know, we're looking at almost 60, 70, uh, 70 deaths already for 2020. Is there a correlation between the speeding? Probably. It's incredible. Well, you make the point that, you know, it probably wasn't their first time speeding when they were caught. If there's a collision or accident or worse, a fatality, it might not be their first time that speeding contributed to anything either, right? I mean, it's so often it's it, it happens um, as the worst possible lesson. And so when you hear that we're on pace for one of our worst years, if not worst years ever, Paul, you'd like to think that would be a sobering statistic, but we know that numbers don't always get through to people. You mentioned that they're beefing up your Twitter account, that she's doing her best to try to make the stories interesting. So people listen to it and think, okay, I gotta, I gotta think about my behavior, but that clearly might not be working. So is it time for stiffer penalties? What, what can we do here to get through to people? Well, all we can try and do for us is, like say, is to keep driving that message out, putting it out there that this is what's happening. I think if the more stories you can get out there, hopefully it's going to hit someone. They're going to get that message, and then hopefully if they're not going to get the ticket, they're going to be able to read a tweet and maybe laugh about it and say, you know what, <laughs> that was me yesterday. Yeah, maybe i got to slow down or something. Like, it's just 
you know, even the past week, we've had one of, I believe, six fatalities. It's, and there's usually a link to either alcohol, speeding, or seatbelts. It's just those high-risk driving behaviors. And people need to get the message. Is there less traffic on the highways these days? I believe we're almost up to normal levels again. Um, I don't know if either of you have been out on the perimeter. It's just, depending on the day of the week, God, it's sometimes the... Uh, the number of vehicles out there are staggering. Uh, we may not be back to post or pre-pandemic levels, but I believe we have to be close. So I'm not sure if people still have that mentality that, hey, I'm still kind of <laughs> going to open it up when I get on the Highway 75 or the, the perimeter. I think the attitude is kind of still out there that perhaps they're seeing less police, so they're going to take that chance. And our traffic services, like I say, they're... It's like shooting fish on a barrel almost in some of these locations. RCMP Sergeant Paul Maneg joining us live on 680 CJOB. Sergeant, thank you for the time as always. Much appreciated. Good. Thank you. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, we got to give away a large two-topping pizza for Santa Lucia. We have selected our winner, and we would love to share all of these text messages, but because we just got hammered by texts, and we appreciate that because you've shared some amazing memories and stores that like, I've never even heard of. Mm. They predate me and going back to when it cost 10 cents to get down to, to ride the bus downtown. Uh, but Dennis, kind of on the same wavelength that I was. I said I missed the Comic Factory in Transcona. Well, Dennis says in the North End on Arlington and Inkster, there was a comic shop called Sticks Comics. Loved the smell of all the new comics. They also had a store on Academy, which later became Comics America. Right. And yeah, there's something, if you like comic books, it's there's something about that smell. Going into an old comic shop, it's just, for, for, for a nerd like me, it's magic. Saturday afternoon, there was a lineup on Henderson Highway. I think it's Galaxy Comics. Yep. On Saturday, it was eight or nine people waiting to get in the store on Saturday afternoon. And to circle back to Selkirk Avenue, lots of you said Oretsky's, which mm. was Selkirk Avenue's department store back in the day. Oh, wow. That's neat. I, I took this text just because the listener's name is Brett. <laughs> <laughs> so why not? Brett's get favorite status around here. <laughs> That's right. And Brett says, I would love one more chance to go to the Belgian bakery at Corden and Wilton as a youngster back. Back in the 50s, the smells were heaven. Fresh, warm bread, 15 cents a loaf. But uh, Loren, why don't we have you read the winning text here from Lorraine. Yeah, Lorraine is going to read Lorraine's story. I'd like to speak to myself in the third person. <laughs> Lorraine texts, I grew up in the West End for many years in the 70s and early 80s. When I was a young girl, my mom, who didn't drive, and I would hop on a bus in the third week of December and head off to the surplus store on the northeast corner of Ellis and Donald. Today, it's a giant tiger, she writes. We'd do Christmas shopping. We'd always purchase the gifts from me to others. And we did it every year in my youth. At the time, it seemed like the biggest adventure ever. I lost my mom to cancer last year, and I'd give anything to have one more trip to that surplus store with my mom. That was from Lorraine and chosen in part because it's so touching to have that memory. I think a lot of us have those memories with our parents and what those big 
moments were like Brett, but also because she couldn't remember the exact name of the store. And that led us down a rabbit hole to which I didn't think we'd ever get out of from yeah. our listeners in terms of what actually was the name of the store, what came before, what came after, yeah. and all sorts of listener feedback, right? That northeast corner of Donald and Ellis, that building apparently has been a bunch of things. Crystal Palace in the basement. Yep. Susan, who uh, texts us regular, say, says before Crystal Palace, it was a bowling alley. You mentioned oh. the Horseshoe Cabaret. Somebody said that was the original Army-Navy surplus store. Byway, Bargain Heralds. Liquor Mart. Liquor Mart. So all sorts of uh, incarnations of... Uh, uh, retail establishments in that particular location. And I feel like we need to do a, a feature story on that exact <laughs> building coming up here on Global News at oh, some point. What? One, someone just texted <laughs> Chi-Chi's. Of course. Come on, it was a Chi-Chi's? No, no, no. no just you know, uh, <laughs> Come on, Chi-Chi's always comes up in these discussions. I just, I just had to throw it out there because I thought, how did we get through three and a half hours without where's our Chi-Chi's? Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, thank you very much for joining us this morning on The Start. And one of the topics we've discussed this morning is what to do with kids who say they're sick because they just want to go home from school. Because let's face it, most of us, we don't want to say all, but I think most of us have done that, whether it's we told our parents we weren't feeling well or we did it at school. I remember in grade five, Madame Bozak because uh, she was, she oh, she got mad at me because uh, I it was a hot day and I don't know the air conditioning wasn't working or something and a couple of the kids said that they didn't feel well so then I decided I don't feel well either and she knew I was lying mm-hmm. through my teeth bandwagon you jumped on the bandwagon I did and she was mad so I think we've all done that and we spoke to a friend of ours Sarah earlier today because she had a situation yesterday where her daughter. Uh, said she had a her stomach was upset, right. so the school called and said, "You got to come get your daughter. She's sick. She's got to go home." And uh, her daughter is known for doing this in the past. And normally, mom would just say, "Just stick it out for a little while, and then you'll be fine." And sure enough, she's always fine. But because of COVID, there was just no question: you're done. You're going home. And it might not be to Ferris Bueller type levels that your kids <laughs> are faking being sick, but it does happen. But Loren. As we heard from one of our loyal listeners who does work at a school, who is the secretary at the school, she says, hey, we have no discretion this year. Mm -hmm. If somebody says they're not feeling well, we have to send them home. And so that sort of opened up another can of worms. The idea of is word going to get out on the street, so to speak. And when I say on the street in the school that, uh, yeah, you can uh, get out of school just by saying you're not feeling well and what level now of responsibility is there on parents we know that they're going to have to go and get those kids or make arrangements for them to get home but is there now a whole other level of conversation that needs to be had with those kids in terms of hey look you just simply can't do that this year here's why Right. And there are some kids who, you know, might get into school day and just be nervous about a test coming up. They might not want to go to gym. They might just not want to be there. They might have other things going on in their life. And so the caveat used to be they go in and say, I don't feel well. And they might get to lay on the couch for a bit or the secretary would watch them and call you and say, we, we have a ton of parents who say the secretary would call in and say, they're, they're in my office right now, but I think they're fine. I'm going to send them back to class. I'll update you in 10 minutes. Right. And so now the options off the table and parents can't be sending their kids to school if they 
don't feel well. We had a listener text in uh, recently who said, what a timely discussion. My youngest, 14, is home today sick. So our rule is you isolate in your room all day, get super toast, that's it. No TV, no electronics. If you're really sick, you're isolated. And if you, and if not, you spend a really boring day in your room. I'd love to say that they don't play it up, but I know this they do this year is so challenging, they write. And then that listener went on to say they're actually going to hold a family meeting on this subject tonight because their kids are at the right age, teenagers, where they need to say, look, like you got to get to school when you have school because high schoolers only have so many days of that anyway, right? right. So many in-class learning days. And so if you're saying you're sick, man, you better darn well be sick. And if you're not, that's parent strategies to keep them in their room, make them isolate and no electronics. And I think that's a, that's a pretty fun well, fun might not be the right word. I like that strategy, Greg. Well, that used to be the rule when I was a kid. If you had a hockey game, a soccer game, football, whatever, if you were sick home from school, that day you didn't get to go to sports at night. Right. That was the rule. And uh, similar rules in terms of no TV and, and that sort of thing. So I think that's been a long been practiced, but might have to double down on that right now in these COVID times, Brett, because you just can't. The, the system's under enough stress as it is in terms of sorting things out. You don't need crying wolf. You don't need fake uh, fire alarms or the equivalent of it with regard to your health. You, you need to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And and most kids are pretty good. I, I think if you, you level with them and say, look, here's the story. <laughs> we know either you've done this in the past or I used to do this in the past. We just can't do it. And once again, I just said it three minutes ago, but and here's why you have to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Well, no, let me just throw a curveball here because this is something we've talked about as well on this show before. What if the the symptoms, like what if the child actually is feeling something, but maybe it's not physical, maybe it's a mental situation, maybe there's an anxiety situation or they're just having a full-blown panic attack or something, something where we would have used to just, you know, years gone by, we would say suck it up mm-hmm. or stop being a baby. But if if a child is in genuine distress, they might feel some sort of yep. a physical manifestation no of question. that. So, For sh- Go ahead, Lauren. Well, I was just going to say for sure, and then that's where sometimes just the, the teacher knowing the student really well, uh, the secretary maybe knowing the situation really well was helpful because the kid could stay in the office for a little bit. Maybe it was just a matter of taking 15 minutes for themselves for a break. And we also know there are parents who will say that they will pick up their kids because they know they just need to be removed from that situation sometimes. So there's all sorts of different variables to it. I mean, even when you had that story of your mom taking you shopping in grade three when you claimed to be sick, Brett, you might not remember this then, but it might have just been that you needed some mom time. I can't remember what it was. I really think I just didn't want to school go to school. And I don't know why. I can't. I'm struggling to remember why I didn't want to go to school that day. I think I just felt like I didn't want to go and I don't know I guess I just read the the tea leaves and then figured I think today's the day where I'm going to pull this off but uh, it could have been that Loren I don't know I really don't remember because I know that uh, if I if I were to go back and look at young Brett there was probably a ton of anxiety stuff there because I'm a I'm a huge head case I'm a basket case on the golf course I'm a basket case Pretty much actually, like, <laughs> at most times of the day, I'm sort of just, like, trying to hold it together. So as a kid, you know, as an adult, I figured it out how to hold it together. But as a kid, a little harder to do. You bring that up a really good point, Brett. And that's whole idea is that you figured it out as an adult. But I mentioned that in grade four, I remember specifically, I missed, I think it was almost a whole week of school. And it was stress. It had to do, I was the new kid. 
in Brandon. I was the new kid at the new school. I was the city kid because not everybody in Brandon likes people from Winnipeg. And I was, for lack of better terminology, uh, the poor kid in the class. And some things had happened with some of my classmates that really highlighted that fact. But there was no conversation about why is this going down. And I agree with you a million percent that there is perhaps now an opportunity, some kids that might be dealing with these types of stresses, with these types of anxieties. I hope that they will get an opportunity now to maybe voice some of those concerns and have them resolved or addressed in some level, some shape or form. So I think that's something, Loren, that parents cannot close their eyes to, cannot turn their back on the fact that that kids deal with a lot of anxiety at the best of times. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's why, too, I mean, sometimes, like, you learn as you go, right? And you have that checklist, and, and schools will send home pamphlets with different ways to talk to your kids about things, about things you might not even know they're struggling with. And so the question might be, when that call comes home, is there something you're worried about? Do you have a test coming up today? Did anything, you want to tell me how recess is going? You know, did something happen on the playground? Do you have a soccer game tonight, right? Because there's all sorts of different things that might be weighing on them that have nothing to do with school. It might be that they don't have the right clothes, the shoes. And so I think we all have to be really aware of that. Those are questions that both parents and and I know educators have helped to troubleshoot in the past. The, the thing is now in today's environment, when the phone call comes, there's really no room for argument. If, your kid, if you're, the phone call is coming from the school that your kid is sick and you need to pick them up, I don't know how much room there is for all those extra questions in that moment, given Let COVID. Weigh in at 204-780-6868. You can also email mackling at cjob.com, mcnab at cjob.com, or brett at cjob.com. And we also got just a ton of text messages this morning. And thank you so much for bringing us down memory lane on sharing with us the stores you wish were still open. And Greg, you just we already... Gave away the pizza, chose our winning text from Lorraine, but we just want to put a pin in this one. Well, lots of text messages still coming in, and it was stores, but of course, restaurants inevitably come up. Chi-Chi's came up again, Trapper John's, the Paladin restaurant in St. Boniface, a conversation for another day, but oh, it was Robinson's which started this, right, Lorraine? Because it's 40 years after their grand opening in Minnedosa that they uh, are sparking this discussion in uh, your hometown and whatever happened to that store, but Woolworths, Kresge's came up, Gambles, somebody saying, was it Clark's before it was Gambles, McLeod's, one of our listeners said that was the uh, Farmer's Canadian Tire. If your town wasn't big enough to have a Canadian Tire, they definitely had a McLeod's, Consumers Distributing, Sandstore, Pick-a-pop came yes. up a couple of different times. Oh, pick-a-pop, yep. yeah. Pop shop, I guess, would be on that same uh, list. Big four sales, which was at the corner, I think it was Bannatine and Main Street, where that Crocus building is now. Oh, wow. Dominion Lumber, Winnipeg Supply, and then the record stores. We could do an entire one of these on just... The record stores that mm. people used to go to either in downtown or the shopping malls or different nodes, uh, shopping nodes in the city of Winnipeg. So uh, wonderful memories. And I like to read them out, not because in, we have an opportunity to read everybody's answer out, but it just sparks so many memories for other people when we read those names out, the ones that we haven't heard for such a long time. Yeah, especially when they paint a picture like the the smells of the bread coming out of that Belgian bakery mm. at uh, Corden and Wilton, which is I lived two blocks from there. 
Uh, and I had no idea that that would have been there back in the 50s. Uh, but I can imagine it. It's such a nice neighborhood. That would, would have been splendid to be able to walk by there and smell that. So thank you very much for sharing all of that stuff with us, as you do every morning. And before we go, Greg, what do you got there? Mark says, oh, are you telling me that Robinson's was a chain? I thought we had the only yes. Robinson's around. We had yeah. one in Gimli. I thought Mrs. Robinson owned it. Thank you, Mark. This is my question last night. I was talking about the Robinsons in Minnedosa, and I said to you guys, "Do you guys have? Did you guys have Robinsons, or was that just Minnedosa, or like a small town thing?" Because yeah, could have been Emily Robinson, Mister and Mrs. Robinson. There's a lot of Robinsons around. Who knows? Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.